Oh, good morning, friends. Um, I'm speaking to you from Warrigal right now, but uh, when you hear this, I hope to be in Banbury, England, um, with my daughter Jess and her husband Steve, little girl Zoe, who turns two on the 8th of January. And that'll be yesterday, your time. And uh, I'm hoping to meet what I think will be a new granddaughter. Um, well, I've met her. So anyway, happy days. I just hope I can escape all the COVID nonsense. But um, that's why I'm sending a video to you. So I trust you're all travelling well and happy new year. And um, anyway, let's uh, let's consider God's word. We're going to look at the first part of Psalm 119. But before we do that, we'll pray. Heavenly Father, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to guide us. Uh, we pray that you would open our eyes that we might see wonderful things from out of your law today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, Psalm 119 is famous for being the longest passage in the Bible, the longest single uh, chapter. Uh, I don't intend to preach all of it today. Let's just uh, look at the first eight verses. But I did hear a story some years ago um, in Vietnam. It was difficult to get Bibles uh, at some point. I don't know if it still is, but it was at that time. And uh, that what what Bibles were available, they wanted to make sure went to people that were really fair income about reading them. And so they had a little entrance, entrance exam to see who qualified to receive a Bible. And uh, to receive a Bible, you had to recite from memory and without fault Psalm 119. So the, to, to show that you really wanted a Bible, you had to commit Psalm 119 to memory. Uh, there's a, I haven't done it, but um, probably a good thing if we could, but uh, that's a bit of a test for us. But we'll just look at the first eight verses. Psalm 119, verses 1 to 8. You'll see the little word Aleph at the beginning if you're reading in the English Standard Version as I am. Um, and then at verse 9, you'll see the heading Beth. We'll talk about that in a moment. But blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. Now complete this sentence. Rules are made to be, well, according to Psalm 119 verse 4, fully obeyed. Look at it there. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. A precept is another way of saying one of God's laws, one of God's rules. He expects his people will keep his commandments. How we live matters to God. Uh, scripture records what God requires of those to whom he's given the gift of life. In the Old Testament, he saved people from Egypt and brought them into the promised land. That was his great act of salvation in the Old Testament. Uh, his great act of salvation in the New Testament is the cross of the Lord Jesus by which we can be reconciled with God. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, God made a covenant with the people and, and gave them laws, which was their part of keeping the covenant, part of which required sacrifice. In the New Testament, we find Jesus is the sacrifice. Uh, and the laws that were given there um, are not of quite the same order, but they're laws that come from new hearts, uh, obligations that, that are the proper response of people who've been forgiven by a gracious and merciful God. And so how we, matter, how we live matters to God. 
and we shouldn't neglect these these ethical instructions and and disregard them. Psalm 119 is an extended meditation on what what scripture is. Uh, it uses a number of different synonyms, different words that that are describing essentially the same thing with different shades of meaning, uh, but all that have to do with God's law. Now the Hebrew word for law is Torah, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But um, Psalm 119 verses 1 to 8 uh, start this extended meditation on God's law, on God's Torah, and they show us the way of the blameless. Uh, This is a good way to live, and so we need to prick up our ears and pay careful attention. But before we do, there's some guidelines for interpreters that we need to pay heed to. It's the Bible's longest chapter. It's a poem, and so we need to read it as though it's poetic. Um, It contains some wonderful thoughts, such as your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path in in, in verse 105. So uh, we can expect our reading of scripture to guide us as, as a torch does on a dark night. Um, But Psalm 119 can't just be read as though there's an unbroken line between it and us in 21st century Mafra. How do we go about reading these ancient words? We need to read Psalm 119 as a text of scripture which points towards the finished work of the Lord Jesus on the cross And here we are in 21st century Mafra. We need to read back to Psalm 119 through the lens of the cross. So Psalm 119 points, as does the Old Testament, the whole Old Testament, to the work that Jesus came to accomplish on earth. And so as Christian people, we receive Psalm 119 as Christian scripture because Jesus was its ultimate author and also because he sang it and he prayed it and he believed that it spoke about him And so we look at Psalm 119 with new eyes now through the lens of all that Jesus accomplished. And that becomes the basis of our understanding of these words. So we need to ask ourselves with just with this Psalm, but with with the whole Old Testament, how does it point to Jesus Christ? How is it fulfilled in Jesus Christ? How is the mission of the Lord Jesus, the interpretive grid through which we can now read this section? So Matthew chapter 5 verse 17, Jesus says, I have not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfil them. That idea and other ideas that we find elsewhere in the New Testament show us that the Old Testament points to Jesus, finds its fulfilment and its function in the Lord Jesus. And so as Christians, we need to read the Old Testament with Christian eyes through the lens of the cross. So Psalm 119 verses 1, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Um, as I said, the, the little heading at the top there, Aleph, um, it's an acrostic. Uh, there are 22 stanzas in the psalm. Each of them has eight verses or eight lines, and each of them begins with the succeeding letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So Aleph being the first letter, Beth, and then Gimel, and so on. So every one of the lines in the original started with, uh, with, with that initial letter. Um, so it's a, a richly stylized uh, poetic meditation on on God's revelation of himself in the scripture, in his law. We could say it's an A to Z of Torah, even though they only had 22 letters in their alphabet. Let's think of it as an A to Z. So, But several terms are used throughout, and we need to get our heads around what they mean. So here they are. There's law, there's testimonies, precepts, statutes, and commandments. Now, they're all synonyms. They're all words that have 
similar meanings, but there's shades of meaning that make them somewhat separate from each other, and it's useful to think about that. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord, who keep his testimonies. Yahweh's commanded his precepts. It's, it's good to keep his statutes. Uh, the promise is made, I'll fix my eyes on your commandments. So in these verses here, we, we read that, that God's eternal character is expressed in non-negotiable commands. You don't get to argue with your creator. That's not a sensible position to be in. And so these things are non-negotiable, and yet we'll find, as we submit to them, they're very good for us. So we begin, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Now this is a reminder of Mount Sinai, where God gave the law to Moses as he was leading the people out of Egypt into the promised land of Canaan. Uh, the word for law, as we've seen, uh, the word translated law is Torah in the Old Testament, uh, in, in the Hebrew language. Uh, when we think of laws, we, we think of prohibitions. We think of don't do this, don't do that. Um, you go to hospitals and things like that and you, and you see signs like this, it's never okay, aggression and violence against health workers. It's an interesting commentary on the condition of our life, I think, that we need to be told those things as we go into shops and hospitals now. When was it ever okay? It's never been okay. And yet we, there was, I can remember a time when we didn't need to be told, but these days there's signs like these everywhere. That's interesting, isn't it? Uh, but usually when we think of law, we think of prohibitions, but that's not all that God has in mind here. Uh, in, in, and it's not all that the hearers of Psalm 119 would have thought of when they think of law in, in terms of, of God's law. Because you see, Torah means much more than just do's and don'ts. It means it's a description of a whole way of life. This is a way of life that will work and that will be blessed. And so Deuteronomy 32 verses 46 to 47, Moses is instructing the people before they go into the promised land. Moses himself has been told he won't make the, the final journey with them across the Jordan River. Uh, but he's giving his last instructions to the people before they go into the land that God has prepared for them. And so Moses says to them, take to heart all the words by which I'm warning you today that you can, may command them to your children that they may be careful to do all the words of this law, this Torah. So they've got to teach their kids to do the Torah. For it is no empty word for you, but your life. And by this word, you shall live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. Now, the way that the land of Canaan is represented in the Bible, it makes it sound like a new Garden of Eden. Who wouldn't want to live a long time in a, in a land that's been so wonderfully prepared and, and, and which provides so, so richly for every human need. Who wouldn't want to live there? Well, Yahweh says to them, if you want to live there, you need to adopt this way of life. So the Torah was a protective mechanism to ensure that they could live in this beautiful environment that God had called them to and saved them for and prepared them for and had, had taken them to. Uh, Torah means much more than do and don't. It means a wholesome, good, peaceful, joyful way of life. And that's why to walk in the way of Torah is to walk in the way of blessing. Well, who wants God's blessing? Well, you'd be mad if you said, I don't. You'd be mad if you thought you could cook up a better concept of life than the one who created life and who gave it to you. But blessing means a state of joy. It means to be enjoying very favourable circumstances. That's what blessing means. 
It's a way of life that earns God's approval. God says that's the way to live. That's what it means to be blessed. The Bible represents consistently throughout the whole length and breadth of it there are two ways to live and only two. You can walk in God's ways or you can walk in ways of sin and rebellion. Now there's different ways of saying those things but it all boils down to that. You can choose to walk God's way, you can choose to live God's way or you can choose to go your own way which is the path of sin and rebellion and God will not bless that. So if you want God's blessing, walk in his pathways. Now the word for sin there is transgression. Uh, what does transgression mean? Well think of life as a pathway. Uh, it's an Anola Ball plane which I drove uh, with my son in March of 2021. This is part of the longest straight section of road in the world so that's a good illustration for us. But uh, what's transgression? Well we know what progress is, that means to move in a forward direction. We know what regress is, that means to move in a rear direction. You've, you've gone backwards. Transgression means to go outside of the path, right? The path of life, the way of life, the Torah, the way of life. When you step outside of that path, that's transgression. It's sin. You've gone off the road. We met a lady who'd gone off the road and it was a profoundly disturbing experience for her. We were driving along and we saw this, this car and there's this woman there waving her hands quite frantically. So we stopped to see what her problem was. And she was in a four-wheel drive going across the Nullarbor Plain on her own. And just for a bit of interest, she'd driven off the road into the, into the bush. And when she'd come back out, she'd forgotten which direction she was headed in. And she said, which way is Norseman? And so we were able to say, in fact, she was headed the right way. And boy, you should have seen the relief. But she'd transgressed. She'd stepped out of the way. Um, and, and it was not a good experience for her. So the path of life is, is the illustration that we have here and there's a blessing for walking in that path of life. Now when it says there that, uh, that we're to keep his precepts diligently, precepts is a word that comes from the building game back in those days and uh, it's a word that was applied back in those days to the detailed instructions that were given to a builder before he began working. So when you get a house, you, you hope that the builder's been working carefully to a plan and that he's followed all of that and uh, made sure everything lines up straight here and subscribes to all of the uh, Australian standards and all the rest of it. So precepts are like detailed instructions for the Lord and God expects us to follow them closely and carefully. We need to know them, we need to internalise them and we need to follow them. When it says that they're to be kept diligently, um, Oh, that my ways were steadfast. Uh, you've commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. That, that means wholehearted. Uh, it doesn't mean half-hearted. It means we're giving everything to this. Um, if you're a cricket fan as I am, you'll watch the telecast occasionally and uh, the bowler will appeal for an LBW or a catch behind. And sometimes the commentators will say, oh, it was a pretty half-hearted appeal. In other words, the bowler tells the umpire by the fairly downtoned nature of his appeal that he doesn't really think he's going to be out but then when they get down on hands and knees and open their mouths wide and appeal to the umpire in, in that wholehearted way it's more of a sign that they really do think that they had the batsman out either that or they're good fibbers but to the wholehearted appeal is a sign that something may just have happened well God wants us to be wholehearted diligent keepers of his uh, his precepts. Uh, verses 5 to 8 go on to the subject of prayers and promises. 
And there's a prayer for steadfastness there. Uh, oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Have you ever found yourself sort of slipping and falling into sin and thinking, oh, blown it again? I wish I was more steadfast. That's that. That's, that's a prayer for that very thing there. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Why? Then I shall not be put to shame. Steadfast means to be ready, willing and able. It's the promise of praise from an upright, instructed heart. Uh, so the psalmist is saying here, I, that, this is the way I want to live. I know it'll work better because I don't want to end up feeling ashamed of myself. He's promising to keep these statutes, but who's equal to such a task? Um, we have to look back to Psalm 119 through the cross. And we realise then that the way is a person. Uh, Jesus came and he said, I am the way. Only Jesus has kept God's law diligently. He's the only one that's truly blameless uh, because he did uh, diligently keep Yahweh's precepts. He, he kept his statutes. He lived a life that was free of shame. He was the one who, with untainted lips, offered his praise to God from an upright heart. Jesus was truly human he was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. But he kept all of these laws uh, because it was his delight to keep them. And so the way is a person. Blessed are those whose way is blameless. We now know that the path to heaven is through the Lord Jesus. In John chapter 14, the disciples said, show us the Father. And he says, I've shown you the Father. Uh, and he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So how can we keep Psalm 119? How can we obey all these things? We all know that we make mistakes. We all know that we deliberately transgress and step out of the way. Well, the good news is that the law has been kept for us by the Lord Jesus. And it's on the basis of his blameless keeping of the law that he was able to offer his life as a completely successful and satisfactory sacrifice for all of our sins. Romans 11, 10 verse 11 says, as the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And so the cry of the psalmist here is, um, he wants steadfast ways in keeping his statutes. He sounds like I feel, uh, just wishing that I was better at doing what God requires, but realising how far short I fall and so often. And the reason for that is he, he's tired of being put to shame. But Jesus kept the law and when we trust in him, we'll discover that we'll never be put to shame. And the shame that Paul's speaking about in Romans 10, 11 there is that ultimate shame of meeting God on judgment day and finding ourselves to be unready. The only way to be ready to meet God on judgment day is to have put our trust in Jesus, the faithful one, the blameless one, who kept every part of God's law diligently. So where does this leave us? Where to now? Well, there's some questions that I think the passage throws up by way of implication. And one of those is, are you walking wholeheartedly in the way of the Lord? Am I? Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord, who walk in that, that pattern of life, the Torah, uh, the way of life which is good for us. Are we walking wholeheartedly in it? Or are you a transgressor? someone whose life is characterised by 
deliberately stepping outside of that path that God can bless. God won't bless transgression. He will bless the life that stays within the lines of his law. Are you steadfastly considering God's commands and learning his righteous laws? Do you know what God requires? Because God cares how we live. Um, that's why we decided to have this Bible reading plan for this year to, to encourage people to read all of God's word in a year if you can. Uh, but the, the, the goal is to set aside a time each day where you, you're thinking, you're, you're reading and meditating on God's word, uh, taking it to heart, letting it shape the way you think and, and feel and decide, uh, shaping your affections, shaping your direction, shaping your priorities. Are you steadfastly considering uh, God's commands and learning his righteous laws? Are you walking with Jesus? Uh, is your life shaped by walking in the way that he, he walked? Because Jesus is the way. First John chapter 2, verse 6 says, Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. That's a pretty categorical statement. Do you claim to be a follower of Jesus? Jesus the way. Jesus the blameless. Jesus the one who kept God's law. Do you claim to be a follower of his? Well, if you do... You'll walk like he did. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did, must follow him, must imitate him. The only way to do that is to know him. How do we know him? We know him through his word. So, blessed are those whose way is blameless. You've commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. When we keep the statutes of God, uh, we'll find less reason for, for shame. But of course, we do fall short. And, and so we just have to constantly renew our trust in the Lord Jesus, the one who completely lived these things and fulfilled them for our sake. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, please help us to be careful about your word. Help us to take it seriously. Help us to cherish it and treasure it as we believe the psalmist did. Uh, we ask that you would guide us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. We pray that you would enable us by your uh, Holy Spirit's uh, indwelling in our lives to walk with Jesus on this uh, pathway to heaven uh, free of, of the shame of deliberate transgression. So please strengthen us and keep us and help us so that we might live uh, a life that is worthy of your calling. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.